Yeah, like there's just these sort of like five books that guys who had just moved here would buy. Um, and I thought it was funny and kind of annoying and Infinite Jest is so big that I'm like, oh, I'll just, I'll just eat it. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. It was so much fun having Jamie Loftus into the studio. Jamie is a comedy writer and podcast host behind some of my favorite series, including My Year in Mensa and ActCast, a very Kathy podcast. On this episode, Jamie and I tackle all sorts of topics and talk about her incredible new book, Raw Dog, The Naked Truth About Hot Dogs. Yes, Jamie spent a solid year traveling around America diving into the world of tube steaks. We find out about banishing ketchup from the bun and what makes a great mall food court. I hope you enjoy this. I sure did. Jamie Loftus, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Hello. So fun having you in, meeting you face-to-face. I know your voice. I, I know your voice, too. This is exciting. <laughs> right. So I want to get into Raw Dog, your incredible book about hot dogs and a journey and uh, a real hom- homerific tale. Is that right? Homerific? Does that work? <laughs> homerific? I mean, it sounds good to me. It sounds like... Simpsons-esque. Simpsons-esque. I was, I was thinking the, the dead guy, the blind guy, but... Um, oh, him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, <laughs> like something like classics, like something like that. I feel like, I, yeah, after writing a book, I'm like, I should know that. That's a big one. Uh, that's a big one. I just faked it. I, <laughs> I, I'm not like a big classics guy. I certainly didn't get a classics degree. You're not into the classics? No, big C classics. Mm. Um, before we get to Raw Dog, though, you review sandwiches on YouTube. So let's just go into it. I would like to offer you some sandwiches. Uh, I'm going to give you the first one, the BLT. Yeah. Kind of easy. <gasps> oh, my fave. Review it. Go go in. Well, the BLT, I just had a, I love, uh, I love fast food. It's a big problem. I just had a bunch of Tim Hortons BLTs in the last couple of days. Oh, nice. I was in Toronto and they toast that thing up real nice for you right oh. outside the hockey museum. It was great. Oh, I love that in Toronto. It's so, so good. It was the best. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a big fan of BLTs. It's usually the perfect serving size for me. And uh, a big thing with me in sandwiches is I have gum disease. So if the bread's too sharp, yeah. my mouth will bleed and I'll, um, and I refuse to fix this. So I have to only only eat sandwiches that will accommodate that. So, like, the ciabatta is, like, your arch enemy. Ciabatta, banh mi, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I'll, I'll embarrass myself in front <laughs> of my friends. It will actually bleed down, like, like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A mouthful of <laughs> blood just the hallway from The Shining if I eat a banh mi sandwich. <laughs> All um, right. BLT, perfect. Next one, I, I threw, I didn't, I did not realize you were a fast food hive, but the McLean Deluxe with cheese. Ooh, I've never had one. I would really like to try one. Have you had one? I mean, I had one in 1992 because it was a limited <laughs> McDonald's healthy hamburger from the 90s. Mm. So I was wondering if you had a thought on that. I will probably, I feel like I'm, I'm unfortunately, like many others, uh, very susceptible to diet culture pitches <laughs> that sound vaguely disgusting. Yeah. Um, I was drinking the Gatorade, that the Gatorade Zero, Zero. that looks like piss yeah. on the way over here. <laughs> So I would probably try it. I, it had to have been disgusting, though, right? Was uh, it? Yeah, it actually had seaweed in it back in, like, before oh. seaweed was actually, like, an adaptogen, blah, blah, blah. I, f- I would like seaweed on a 
burger, but I feel like the McDonald's, I, I don't really trust them with that. No. They, it, it lasted for literally one quarter. I think they like, wow. Yeah, Q3, 1993, it was there, and then Q4, it was gone. Uh, I bet that there's still people that like ride for it hard, though. Those oh, are yeah. my favorite kinds of, like, I keep a Facebook account strictly to monitor those groups, specifically Save the Subway Seafood Sensation. <laughs> oh, one of my I know that one. Groups. It's like 2,000 calorie. Uh, Fake crab and mayonnaise sandwich. I love that so much. I have so many <laughs> thoughts, and we might write a story about it. But moving Ooh. on, are you into Deadstock sodas? Uh, no. Tell L- me more. Like Amazon sodas, like sodas from the '90s that you can buy on Amazon. No, I didn't or know eBay. that. Was a thing. Actually, more eBay. I'm sorry. <gasps> yeah. Wait, like what? Crystal Pepsi. Okay. Josta. Pepsi Blue. Pepsi Blue okay. Surge. Like surge. the first gen Surge, not the regen Surge. Yes, I loved the first gen Surge. Yeah. What a font. It was a great font. And Jost is a great font, too. Sorry, back to sandwiches. Um, Croissant with turkey. No. (laughs) Simply no. No, thank you. (laughs) Is that because of, like, airports or why not? I just feel like there's not there's never enough going on in that kind of sandwich that I want. It's a little too much bread. It's soft bread. It's good for my for my purposes. <laughs> but I don't know. There's always a quality to the croissant when there's like just meat on the inside where it's just like a little bit scary wet to yep. me. It, it has a weird ratio of, of dry to wet. I agree. Yeah. Okay, the ham cheese and butter, someone's called the jambon bear in France. Ooh, uh, ba- a baguette though. On a on a baguette, yeah, that's going to be a challenge. But I would do it because it's a good sandwich. <laughs> you would you would fight through it. I would fight through it if I was with a, a loved one that I was like, look, this is going to happen, yeah. and you know you can you can love me anyways, <laughs> um, and and then I would do it because that sounds really good, especially all toasty. Oh yeah, toasted up. Okay, last one, PB and J. Oh, I mean, you can't. You can't go wrong. I love a PB&J. I love a toasted PB&J. Wow. It's my fave. So why toast? That's great. I'm really fascinated by that choice. Um, I don't, I think something about having the peanut butter a little bit heated um, really works for oh, me. I get it now. So you mm-hmm. actually heat up the insides too. I was thinking like toasted and then you apply, but you're talking about like no, total. You just, mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's the greatest. I have this toaster at home. I got it at CVS that makes little Hello Kitties on the bread. Oh, fun. And uh, toasted PB&J with Hello Kitties on the bread. Oof. Oh, beautiful. Just a perfect way to start the day. Next question. You ate Infinite Jest. So yeah. that doesn't mean you ate the recipes presented in this, you know, iconic David Foster Wallace novel, but you are there recipes in the book? I, I've never read it. I'm I just haven't read it. Absolutely, either. Assuming. <laughs> I don't know what happens. So, what did you do? Um, I ate, I didn't finish it, unfortunately. It's a very big book, but I, I made it about 400 pages in, um, maybe a little more. I don't remember, but um, yeah, that was like five or six years ago, and it was just kind of like a joke because I worked at a I worked at bookstores in LA when I first moved, and we would move a lot of copies of that and like hmm. how to win friends and influence people. Like there was just like kind Hilarious. of this vague, yeah, like there was just these sort of like five books that guys who had just moved here would buy. Um, and I thought it was funny and kind of annoying. And Infinite Jest is so big that I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll just eat it. I'm going to link to the show notes. We don't need to talk that one out. It's pretty pretty brilliant. <laughs> we'll go. But, like, let's go back to your history. So, uh, you know, New York book buyers have infinite snobbery, to be honest. And so I'm looking at L.A., mm-hmm. and I'm kind of judging the book buyer there. What is the book buyer like in L.A.? I think that there I, – well, I, I've really grown to love L.A. over the years because there's just, like, a, a, a very naive sweetness to people at bookstores there. There are assholes as well. Yeah. I mean, there's always people that are like, ooh. Like, but there's, like, I don't know. 
it was a fun like kind of it was I'd never seen more celebrities than I saw at that bookstore because it was on the Sunset Strip. It's called yeah. Book Soup. Yeah. And I was it was right when I moved there. So I was like, oh, this is like what it's going to be like all the time of like Ellen DeGeneres making the employees leave the store <laughs> so she could look around by herself, like <laughs> just scary stuff. Yeah. Um, but the average... And that did happen, right? That did happen. Yeah. Uh, and then also Keanu Reeves came every Wednesday on his motorcycle and got Sudoku puzzles and a new hardcover fiction book. That's which so was- lovely. Hardcover fiction, the big formats. I know. He was supporting on the week of release. I love that. He's helping those authors hit the list. He's the best. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I for the most part, it does just seem like... I'm trying to think of a way that doesn't sound like mean, but it's just like... People in L.A. often feel like I should read a book at some point. <laughs> and that sort of feels more like what it is. It's like it's either like really juicy nonfiction. I was working there when the uh, Leah Remini book came out yeah. and that was like bananas. Did like, uh, like cars roll up just to like buy out the stock? <laughs> yeah, it was the buying out the stock. Yeah, that's what I, that was my reference. Oh, you, you actually said the words. I actually cut. I, 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 like, oh, yes. I like talk shit about on a previous podcast and we cut it out so very fair very fair um so we're back to this so i hope it makes it in the edit (laughs) but yeah it's just like it's uh there there are obviously like readers in la but for the most part it's just people that are like yeah i should i should at least have a book just to seem like i might read it which i i love what is your best celebrity book suggestion meaning a celebrity walked in and you suggested a book oh God, I was terrified to suggest. I actually, there was a time it was, I, it was Amy Adams. Um, Good one. Came in really nice. She came. Film through, actor, well regarded, many she, awards. She was great. I recommended something to her that she was like not interested in at all. It was mm. a book of photography. She's like, I'm looking for like a coffee table book to get for a friend. And I was like, there's this great collection I saw called Carnival Strippers. And she was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and then came, asked if she could come behind the desk to use my computer. Wait. And I was, well, cause like the, we had like the search yeah. engine. And she was looking for one. a book and she's like, okay, I know it, but I got to type it out. Yeah. She was like, can I just see the list oh, I see, of I see, coffee I table books? And I was like, yeah, but I can't like, I can turn them on. She was like, I'll just come back. And okay. then she was so tiny and it was really mm-hmm. exciting. Um, she didn't want carnival strippers, and she was wrong about that because it's a great photo collection by Lots Susan Misalis. Great, great, great pick there. Um, what about cookbooks? You know, we we publish a lot of cookbooks here, and mm-hmm. we talk about it on the show a lot. Any cookbooks that you're pushing? Do you remember back in the day? Oh boy, uh, I I remember. Oh God, what's the Moby restaurant? We sold a lot of those. Yes. Yeah. We oh pushed my them. God, I love that. <laughs> that was a that was a big seller. I our... loved that book. I interviewed Moby for that one. What was that place called? It was a beautiful book. Pat, help us out. What was the name of that that that? Uh... It was so funny because I lo- I loved reading it was in the Silver recipes. Lake. It was that cool. It was a great restaurant. Yeah, I I don't know if it. I think it's still around. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. it's not teeny. Obviously, that's the New York one. Um, but yeah, it was so, cause I had just, I was like, wow, I can never afford to go there, but it's, it sounds lovely. I know it was pricey, but, but a great one. Um, was it little pine? It was little pine. Yes. Yeah. Little, it doesn't scream Moby little pine. No, no, it's kind of stealth. So you put, I so you pushed that book. That's cool. I think yeah. we published it. It made some money for us. Yeah, I hope so. No, I was I, doing my best. Thank you for uh, for selling books and being interested in books. Oh, I mean, I love books and I love uh, book sellers. They're some of the most fascinating, yeah. unhinged people in the world. Oh, I love it. Going down to, uh, you know, books are magic. I, I love the staff. They're just fun to hang with. Yeah. Of course, the Strand. 
legendary test you must take and just a cool vibe there. Really? Yeah. I didn't know about that. It's like apparently pretty easy. I've I've only read about it. I've never taken it, but apparently it's pretty easy. God. But it's a good weeder, you know. Oh, okay. They do the same thing when they hire at the Wiener Mobile. Oh my god, we'll get into that. So yeah. I love the segue. Thank you for that. Um you've written a book and it's called Raw Dog. And I love the name. Um, did the publisher get the joke? I don't know. That's okay. It's still unclear. My editor definitely got the joke. My editor is amazing. And I was, we were just suggesting like all these things. And I was like, I mean, this would be my ideal title. And she was like, all right, well, we can maybe bank on, you know, older higher ups, maybe not knowing what that means. Because I asked my mom and I was like, do you know what that means? And she was like, no, is it disgusting? And I was like, not really. It's just kind of like. I mean, not to me. And then yeah. I told her and she was like, oh, that's like kind of beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful thing when you can slip in a uh, a title or a section and, and maybe everyone doesn't quite understand. It feels really, yeah, it feels like I got away with something. I'm really excited about it. And I love, someone pointed out to me um, a couple, because I took like a mirror selfie with it. And mm. they're like, your book is called War God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, why did it? It's War God backwards. War God. Yeah. Okay, so you're on the trail and I love the premise of this book. And I have... Uh, had a lot of hot dogs in my life, but you are on a hot dog journey. You are on. So tell us about what the premise and the concept is of this journey. So the book is sort of told through a road trip I took with my ex-boyfriend and our pets eating hot dogs across the country from L.A. up to Massachusetts and then all the way back around. Um, And then in between those sort of road trips uh, stories where we were just meeting people and it was also the summer of 2021. So it was Mm. sort of this very particular bizarre COVID moment where we kept, you know, like we literally couldn't turn back um, at many points because there were all these weather events. There was the Delta variant. There are all these other things going on. And um, yeah, so between those stories, it's there's chapters about different elements of hot dog history because there are books about hot dogs, but not ones that were um, that mentioned anything unpleasant, which feels like you're missing a lot of the hot dog experience by only (laughs) (laughs) mentioning pleasant things. Like are the hot dog burps like pleasant or unpleasant? Oh, I love them. I think that's great. But it's like I'm talking like the meatpacking industry. Oh, yeah. So you get into that. And I love that. Clearly, there's a social commentary. And if you're a fan of any of your podcasts work, which I am a huge fan uh, of, clearly you are very funny, but you also um, have a lot of activism and social justice is important to you, too, which clearly in this book, you're tackling that. Um, I feel like I've been lucky to be able to find topics that there's like elements of like, well, yeah, I love to talk about workers' rights, but um, there's so many books about workers' rights and I'm not best qualified to do that. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is learn (laughs) everything about hot dogs and find the workers' rights stories inside of that topic. And there's so many of them. It was um, it was really like great and and frustrating to explore, you know, like a century basically worth of uh, hot dog workers disrespect. Yeah, and from the meat packing to the actual restaurant service too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, this was the summer that I think was. Um, it was like shortly before I think it was like the fall of 2021, where a ton of people were leaving their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the great something I forget yeah. what it's called. Um, and then, but resignation. The great resignation. Yeah. Yeah, in October uh, 2021. Yep. And uh, leading up to that, it was all summer at these small businesses. Um, the owners would generally be like. 
no one wants to come to work anymore. Like that whole mm-hmm. era and like unpacking, like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. It's almost like there's, it's... Maybe it's systematically fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Possibly, not because everyone's lazy. Maybe you're not paying people yeah. enough to sling hot dogs all day. Jeez. Is there a union for the wiener dog uh, mobile wiener mobile drivers? No, but there should be. They run. I I love Wienermobile culture. I can't yeah. complain about it. It is like definitely a cult like environment where they oh. like. It's like like Disney level. Pretty close. I feel like that is, and and there is from what I've, you know, anecdotal evidence. Seems like there's a fair amount of overlap between Disney adults and Wienermobile drivers. The personality type yeah. clicks for it. And for so when you get trained to be a Wienermobile driver, they only pick, I think, 12 every year. My gosh. So it's very competitive. Yeah. And then you're put into a two-week training uh, seminar in Wisconsin. Yeah, in like Madison? Yes. I went to college there. I remember seeing those things on the road. Yeah. That's so exciting. Fun. It was exciting. I, I, the parallel parking, though, did you did you find out about that? How do you park that thing? I've seen it, and it really—because I, I, I befriended two Wienermobile drivers, and cool. I got them to come to a comedy theater that I really love Amazing. in L.A. But, yeah, we had to watch them parallel park for—I mean, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> and they'd been doing it for six months, and they're like, it just— they're there's no way to get good at this. <laughs> now, let me ask you about the hot dog as a food item. Yeah. You know, couple questions. First, what makes a great hot dog to you, Jamie? Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. Um, I don't discriminate with toppings. I think, you know, I, I generally, I, I don't know how happy the city of Chicago will be with me when the book comes out. Um, it's, I, I don't, I, it's not that, you know, their hot dog is fine, but I don't like people policing what can and can't yes. be on a hot dog. It's like, relax, especially when it's ketchup and people are like, well, it's so sugary. I'm like, you're already eating a hot dog, dude. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's a bizarre argument. I love what you just said because as a father who grew up on the north side of Chicago who would refuse ketchup on his dog and my uncle too, I'm like, yo, dude, ketchup's pretty good. It's, yeah, and it's like you're not going to, like, it's not a win for health to forego ketchup when you're already eating a deep fried hot dog. Um, Are they like, yeah, mustard has one calorie while ketchup has like 14? (laughs) Yes, which is violent and we shouldn't abide by it. It's like, (laughs) it drives me nuts. Um, But, okay, uh, a good hot dog has a toasted bun every single time. Can't not have a toasted bun. I like New England buns, but I'm from New England, so... The difference is, like, the split style, the way they split them. The split, and it's a little taller. Taller. You can really nestle it in there. It's kind of fun. Um, I love grilled dogs. I think grilled is the way to go, and it's, like, the most easy way to make a great hot dog at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if you if you can, if you can, I like the Rutz Hut style hot dog where it's like the ripper where it's just like dipped in frying oil for like a couple seconds and then there's like a good snap on it. Um, and that's like deep fr- It's like kind of fried in that oil for a little while. Yeah? yeah. 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 And they have those different levels where it goes from like the ripper to, oh my God, the, the final one. I forget what it's called, but it's like literally solid meat and they make you sign a waiver before they'll sell you one, which is kind of fun. What's the What's the fear? It, then it will kill you or like ch- or chip your tooth. Oh, um, I see. A cremator, I think it's called. Oh, cool. And it's also just like there's so much like pomp and circumstance to hot dog culture where it's like they're making you sign the waiver so that they can take a picture of it and yeah. put it on the wall too. And I oh, I love how goofy it gets. The same with like um, 
with the eating competitions, which I'm very, very obsessed oh. with. And there's a lot in the book about it. Of you just, went to the, did you go to Nathan's? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 2021, baby. I was there. I saw Joey, Joey Chestnut. And eat. Kobayashi. Oh, I what wish about Crazy I Conti? You hang with him? I've not met Crazy Legs Conti. I'm trying to get him to come to my book release show. Oh my I would God. love to meet him. What about Sonia Thomas, the Black Widow? My hero. Me too. I love, I, she, oh God, I've, I, she is, there should be a biopic about her. I like, love her. She is the so best. So worked at fucking Taco Bell for like, or Burger King. Burger King, yeah, yeah on sorry. like a naval base. Yeah. And then, oh, I just, and I love Kobayashi so much. Mm-hmm. I love that he's still around. Have you seen the 30 for 30 about oh, yeah. Joey? Oh, I've seen every, I'm majorly eating, like I definitely like hung with those guys, the Shays. Like I got to like spend a little oh time Oh my God. Not, this is like not a name drop session. I just meant, I like appreciate what they do. But maybe it was a name drop sesh. It's intense. I mean, the Shea brothers. I mean, they're they're polarizing figures. Very much so. There's a lot going on there. Uh, but I. But it's it's a wild event. Yeah, I met this guy at the hot dog eating contest who is like this 90 year old photographer who's like <laughs> lived in the same apartment for 100 years and like took this famous picture of Eisenhower. And then I just spent the day with him, and I was like, "Oh, what a great your book! Your book is amazing. You cover all these stories, and I have to just step back for a second. And it feels like you've come for hot water hot dogs here in New York City. You've come for them. Oh, I've not. I've not come for them. Okay, I promise. Okay, I'm kidding. I love hot water hot dogs. I grew up as a boiled hot dog head in New England. It is interesting. It's not. It's never going to be my first choice, but I'm never going to complain no, about it. You're, I being, love, you're great. <laughs> oh, they're they're filthy. I mean, they're filthy, but I but I love them. They're good. Let's talk about a couple of the places that you visited because I think our listeners from around the country and world that have, are, are fans of of going to have a hot dog. So where should we go? Well, I, I already mentioned Rut's Hut. I was kind of, um, I guess this is like somewhat of a spoiler for the book, mm. but there's other stuff. You should just read it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was doing like my preliminary research, everyone's like, Rut's Hut has the best hot dog. And I was like, mm, I'm not like other girls. I won't <laughs> feel that way. But um, I did feel that way. It yeah. is the best in Clifton, New Jersey. It's the greatest. Other ones that stood out to me um Really hard to beat the danger dogs outside of the Staples Center. Yep. Um, I got, I went to our, I went to a WWE Raw a couple weeks ago and nice. then got my danger dog on the way out. Don't never get a hot dog in the stadium. Always get it outside. Oh, yeah. Stadium. They're always like, I was just there at, at now Crypto. It's, uh, you see them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the best. And you Venmo and it's just like yep. the, the experience of a lifetime. Um, there's another place in uh, Virginia called the Texas Tavern. Mm. That, which is one of my favorite confusing things about hot dogs is there's always like there's the names of the makes are like after states and cities, but the places that they're famous for is a different city and a different <laughs> region where it's like you Coney dogs are great in Detroit. And yeah. like I love the Texas Tavern in Virginia. It's really uh, confusing. It's just uh, the immigration story of our country. It's true. Yeah. It's F- really food just, doesn't stay in one place. It's mostly just Greek guys moving around and like opening new places. Oh my gosh, so um, true. But yeah, uh, Texas Tavern in Virginia, Atman's in Baltimore. I really love. There's a lot of great. Places. Yeah. What about in LA? I mean, Pink's gets so much ink. It seems. Yeah, your face just Mm-mm. says it all. Mm-mm. I'm anti-Pink's. They have they their hot dogs suck and they have bad politics. Yeah, I was gonna say there's probably some some alt right shit going on with Pink's. <sighs> there is a thing. Where I and and I, 
this was like a lot of the worker stuff I was researching where there's so like pink started as like a food court or a, a food cart in the I think like 30s and 40s. And now they spend so much time trying to legislate food cart owners who are majority immigrants like out of existence yeah. to eliminate competition. And so it's like not just not just is your hot dog gross. Um, yeah. You're also like disrespecting. Your attitude is gross. Yeah. Like their business wouldn't be possible without with their current politics. It's ridiculous. Food to Pink's um, headline here. So I want to ask you, pivoting away from hot dogs, but we will also we will circle back to food courts because mm. you've written about that. I love it. Yes. But you've been staffed on shows in L.A. and you've written for plenty. I just want to talk about food in the writing's room, writing room or the writer's room. Ooh, OK. It's writer's room, right? Not writing room. Writer's room. Yeah. Writer's room. So what? So tell me, has there been any good food in writer's rooms that mm. you've worked in? Never. Never. I don't think ever in my whole life. No. Has there been? I mean, I guess that there's a lot of, I feel like the best you can hope for, and I think that a lot of writers are like, this is great, is just like sweet green lunch. We're going to get really, this. Really? Yeah, it's sweet green lunch. Are we lunch. talking, this is like basic cable? I'm, I'm, I mean, what, what this is, it, well, yeah, keep in mind, I am not in the Writers Guild because I'm an animation writer and oh, I see. The, the most disrespected uh, ah. TV writer of all. And so if you get a sweet green lunch, oh, baby, you're like living large. Everything's great. Um, but I don't know. I, I wrote on my first TV writing job, or one of the first ones was on Robot Chicken, mm-hmm. and it was, um, my birthday a few days in, so I didn't really know anybody. Awkward. I've had that where you like start a job or I have a new acquaintance. It's like your birthday, and what do you say? Right, like the, and I, I forget. They, I told someone, and then they were like, "Oh, let's do something." And they, someone brought out like a bowl of mayonnaise with. <laughs> With candles in it. And I was like, thanks, guys. Wow, my new friends. Um, it worked. It that's, worked. That's a strong mm. food memory I have in the writer's room. Yeah, funny. I mean, yeah, we've had, like, Gideon Glick on here who worked on Maisel, and he said that, like, the at the table read, they would, like, cater the table read. Oh, my God. Like, Amazon money. Because it's, it's just so fascinating how, like, it changes depending on what kind of show you're on. Oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah. I've worked in animation rooms, and they're mostly, like, I guess. And, and then I've mostly worked in uh, a lot of the rooms I've worked in have been digital oh yeah like and so zooms. Uh, yeah so every once in a while they'll like send you a like a uber eats gift card and they're like all okay. right everyone go nuts today go crazy show us what you've got so when sweet green is on on someone else what's your order are you are you going into the 20s because you can get to oh, 20 on sweet green it's really disgusting what you can do when yeah you have the sweet green order yeah i sort of like get uh, I, I i get the the like huge kale caesar but then i'll just like throw shit in there. I don't even eat all of it. I yeah. put it in one of those little things and I just bring them home. I'm like, oh, little shrimps for it, the house. Oh, yeah. like it's, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like a little appetizer. You're having friends over. Like the shrimp from Sweet Green. Yeah, I yep. think it's so... The way that people order Sweet Green in the writer's room is really indicative of like what class they grew up in. Because it's like if you're coming in, I'm coming in at a hard lower middle class. And I'm like, I'm going to get extra stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and like for no reason and eat it for days. Yeah, yeah. Get it. Uh, I love the story you wrote for Eater. Eater did this great food court culture package earlier this year. Super smart. So you went on a road trip. You went to yes. Anchorage, Tempe, Arizona, and Portland, Oregon, and visited food courts. What did you learn? I learned that um, the rumors of the mall's death are, are somewhat overstated. Oh, um, thank you. I love the mall, and I I don't I don't know. I mean, I understand why. I think it's because there's like that huge um, like 
I don't. I want to use the word bevy. I don't know why mm. or what. But there's like a huge cornucopia. <laughs> there's a cornucopia of abandoned mall content, and I feel like that is like generally spread the the rumor that malls are dead. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're reduced, but um, there's the still like there's the same kind of weirdos hanging out at the mall that were ever mm-hmm. hanging out at the mall. And I loved um, going to, yeah, different areas of the country and just seeing, like, what people's habits were and, like, what the alternative to the mall was. That was, like, my most, uh, what I was most interested in other than what people were eating was, yeah. like, what can you do that I was not able to do when I was aspiring to be stuck at the mall? I wasn't even successful at it. You weren't successful? Why not? No, my because I didn't live close to the mall. Oh, I see. It was <laughs> yeah. a proximity thing. Yeah. It wasn't like you 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 were rejected by the mall culture. I it was a little bad little as bit well. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so during this piece, you're eating in all these interesting places. Um, is there like a common thread between the three cities? Is there like a chain that you saw that you that had like that was really popular? Ooh. Is Cinnabon smell everywhere, basically? Yes. I think that—and uh, I wanted to write more about it in the piece. I write about it in the hot dog book, and I also talk about it on the You're Wrong About tour because it's just very interesting to me. Um, yeah, Cinnabon is a huge uh, through line, and Auntie Anne's is the other one. Oh, yeah, like Auntie. Auntie Anne's or Wetzel's, but I don't really fuck with Wetzel's no. because they don't have the story that Auntie Anne has, and the product tastes like the same chemicals, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. I had Hot Sam's growing up, but that was like a Midwestern Ooh, chain. I've never had that. Yeah, but so what's the story of Auntie Anne's? Auntie Anne is fascinating. I, yeah, I fully unpack it in the in the hot dog book. I was really thrilled to have an opportunity to talk about it. Um, she grew up in an Amish uh, community, and this is like a, kind of a, a trigger warning, but there, there was a very abusive priest in mm. the Amish community. She and a lot of women in her community were abused by the same priest. Um, eventually, they all talk to each other. They get the priest out of the community, and all she wants to do is start— uh, she and her husband want to start a community center for women who have been abused, oh, man. but they don't have any money to start it. So she starts selling pretzels, and Auntie Anne's, like, came out of this really righteous cause to, like, help women and survivors of sexual assault in her community, and now she's, like, a pretzel, like, scion. It's, like, it's so— Weird. And Did she get rich and move to Beverly Hills and like like reject her community and just or, or was there a- no the the uh, as far as I could tell the she and her husband are still married and the community center was open until like a couple years ago That's it was really open cool. for like thirty years I love that story so you write about this in the book great yeah I love that well um. That's really good history. I feel like Cinnabon probably doesn't have such an altruistic oh, history. They're not. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> I, it was so fun, especially after. I mean, I love hot dog history, but there's a lot of repeats where it's like someone uh, like a, a, a Greek immigrant starts to make hot dogs. That is often the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always a good story. And it's always fun because the hot dog stand always burns down at some point, And you're like, why? And the answer is always they don't know. <laughs> it just burned down. Um, but Auntie Anne, yeah, she's kind of a breath of fresh air. She's really interesting. Is there a food that you want to dig into for your next project, either podcast or, uh, or book? I don't know. I know. It's like, I, I got so, I truly like haven't thought outside of the hot dog zone in so long. Um, I think the gas station is just a huge place of interest for me. Um, gas station culture in general. I don't know if it would be specific to food. Can we go Wawa Sheets conversation for three minutes? Sure. Let's do it. Do you have a preference of the two? Wawa. But Interesting. I, but I don't have—I mean, I don't have a ton of sheets um, experience. Oh, you haven't uh, visited the state of Virginia or West Virginia I've been, as much. Yeah, I, I I do go when I'm in Virginia, but I just haven't been as often, so I feel like I, it gets the edge. Do you—are you—do you, are you, do you uh, skew? 
Ice Cube sheets because uh, they 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 incorporate Z into a lot of their uh, their menu items, which oh, is great. Okay. Um, I love the soda selection. It's quite robust. They do have a good soda selection. Soda selection is excellent. Um, Wawa is excellent if you are in this great state of Pennsylvania and you need. Um, pork rinds or Dorito flavored something, it's there. <laughs> Ooh, a little little twist of the knife to the Wawa. I know. I, I do feel like Wawa and Sheets have raised the bar for other local uh, chains. I've noticed. I mean, I I it I don't know if this is just something I've noticed over time as I've traveled and been to more Wawas and become a more worldly person. But I come from Cumberland Farms oh, yeah. uh, town, and they've really stepped it up in mm-hmm. the last 10 years. When I was a kid, it was not so great. And now it's like there's they're doing something over there. They're starting a revolution. <laughs> Big C. Yeah, I, I, like, I have a Cumberland Farms in my town where I live, and I think the soft cookies are really good. Oh, I, and they have a solid hot dog. They're not Ooh. like they're not skeletored like the Seven Eleven ones. Oh yeah, those are tough. I mean, those yeah, but it's like I feel like if you eat, you know, like one Seven Eleven hot dog a month, it's doing something for your like the strength of your immune system. Oh yeah, it's uh yeah. So I, I that's why I do it. Do you ever it's, do the hot dog one taquitos too? Like bang bang one Ooh, order. I I can't do one back to back, but I, the taquitos are really especially like I kind of like when they taste a little old. Yeah, they it's need a to- hot take where you're like where you're biting through, and then you're like, "Oh, this cheese." There's some some kind of film. It's there's- like when you're rolling at four p.m., five p.m. It's yes. usually that time when you get the old ones. I do love. I think it's just like I uh, my self esteem is such that I am. I'm like anytime there's some sort of punishing aspect to a food, I'm like, I probably deserve this. And the taquito delivers. On Going that. back to we were in the lobby talking about pebble ice versus regular ice. Yes. In, in terms of Dunkin' versus coffee bean. Now you're not a fan of pebble ice. I don't like pebble ice. Yeah, when I was working at that um, that bookstore yeah. in, in L.A., that was across the street from a coffee bean, and I was just kind of beside myself. <laughs> um, I know that pebble ice is probably—I don't know. Your coffee gets waterier faster, it feels like. It's kind of, to me, the, the joy because I don't love the coffee. I actually <gasps> mm. think of that coffee as being half water. Yeah. And actually improves the flavor. But then it's like— then we should just go somewhere that where the coffee's better. Not that Dunkin' Donuts is necessarily the alternative <laughs> okay. for better coffee. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I like yeah, coffee bean. I struggle, and their and their muffins taste like I, I like when things taste like chemicals. Uh, but but their chemicals don't jive with my chemicals. Yeah, you're the more of a Dunkin' chemical fan. There is a definitely a bouquet when you open up a can, um, a, a glass of of Dunkin' Donuts coffee that it sprays your. You're face. like, what could that possibly be? <laughs> it's not coffee. Do you do you mess with like other coffees or is it only Duncan for you in LA? I do. I mean, it, you can't just do Duncan in LA. It's impossible. Um, there's not enough. And it's like literally my dream to live within walking distance of a Duncan, but that's not <laughs> easy. There's one at the mall in Glendale and that's yeah. huge for me. That's a real combination of my interests. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of honestly 7-Eleven coffee because that's much closer yeah, to my house. You walk over to 7-Eleven. Yeah. And I, I, I keep my app pretty well maintained. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't pay very much for it. I love that. I love that. You see, it's basically not like money when you just have money on your app. It's It's more of a bartering system. Oh, um, I see. With me and the 7-Eleven guys. My dad was always, my dad, in spite of being from like 
we're from southern Massachusetts. Um, but we he's anti-Duncan, pro Cumberland Farms coffee. He's like, anything you need, you can get at the gas station. And, you know, don't don't be a snob, Jamie. I mean, free tastes better. Let's just get real. It's true. Always. Even when it tastes like kind of disgusting. Yeah. I want to get into your podcast work. I loved my year of Mensa. Speaking of road trips, I think I was driving to Michigan and I, I we crushed it on a road trip. Like back I to back to back to back. Really great. And I, I just think to get into and your your Kathy podcast, uh, the comic that is, um, what leads you to a topic to dive in this way and your unique, you know, with your unique voice and point of view? Um, thank you for asking. I I I think that I I just um I kind of stumbled into that kind of work and I, I've always been a very obsessive person. I don't know. I think that uh, I, I've been very lucky to be able to have a lot of creative freedom in the kind of stuff that I um, choose because I just feel like, I don't know, It's anytime I pick a topic, it's like I need to be comfortable sitting with this basically and only this for like at least six months mm-hmm. for a podcast. And if I'm not still excited about it by the time we're recording the show, people can like feel that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you can feel when it's homework yeah, and not exciting yeah. for somebody. Yeah. Um, so I have an amazing producer, Sophie Lichterman, who is always advocating for me to do the kind of stuff that I'm excited about. Um, and the through line, as close as we've gotten, is like just, I don't know, like uh, things that are kind of innocuous but appear to be like symbols of something. And um, like my Mensa, it's like the whole IQ, like everyone has a very particular view of it. And it's, <laughs> what it, we, and then this is like the big tentpole um, metric, right, for, for genius. Yes, yeah. yes. And like not only is IQ bullshit, but yeah. the group is like nowhere near what the stereotype of it is. <laughs> and then like other stuff as, as we were going on, like Kathy comics like symbolize a very particular kind of woman who we're not supposed to like. Mm-hmm. And like... Why is that? And is that even what it was saying? And like, you know, sexism and no. Um, yeah. So it was it was really fun to. Yeah, I, I, I just love kind of jumping into stuff. And you like love that. Lolita. I love Lolita. The novel yeah. Lolita. So you, you've you've based work around Lolita. Yes. Yeah. I did a show about that a couple of years ago that was based on I mean, honestly, based on me reading that book way too young mm. and um not quite understanding it and then being like, I know what I'll do to understand it. Watch the movie. But the movie, like every adaptation of that book is is pretty horrific. I know. It's, and disgusting. It's, oh, okay. And like, it's it's just bizarre because it was as I was going through it, it's like the the book I feel is is very clearly anti the crimes that take place in the book, but the movies and all of the visual culture they sensationalize it, it a little bit. Yeah, and then to the point where like it's it's still there's copies of the book in circulation that say the greatest love story of all time on the front cover, and you're just like guys, oh my god, <laughs> did you read the book? Uh, but. Yes. Chances I, are marketing department of these studios that did in the 1990s, probably not. Why would you hire the director of Fatal Attraction to oh, direct yeah. Lolita? Like, why would you? I don't know. I just, I'll never get over it. It was really, that was like my deep pandemic project um, where we were, oof, yeah, that yeah, was dark. brutal. Yeah, it was like, it, it like represented your mood at the time. Yes. We're out in the world now. You're going to be at the Bell House soon doing, doing release in L.A. Yeah. 
what what's I hate the what's next, but I, I really am curious, Jamie, what you're up to because I'm a fan of what you do. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. Um, yeah, I uh, I'm working on. I mean, the hot dog book is consuming me right now. Sure, but um, I I have a new podcast coming out later in the summer. Um, what's the hint? What's that it has to do with Alaska. Okay, great. Um, which is why I was in Anchorage for the mall story. I happened to be there. Um, but yeah, it has to do with Alaska. And uh, outside of that, I'm um, working on something about I, I did. I, it was like light undercover. I feel like I'm never like good <laughs> at being undercover because I use my real name and just mm-hmm. hope no one like looks for me, which usually people don't care. Yeah. Um, They're usually into their own shit. So it doesn't even matter. That's the, thing that's the beauty like, of, of what we do, like journalism. It's like people are right. kind of into their shit. They don't really think about who's. And then when they find out, they're like, oh. All right. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not usually uh, as dramatic. So when people are like, I have a new name and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, you're going to get confused. Just like be yourself and like, no offense, but no one cares. Yeah. Um, well said. But totally. I, I did a quote unquote undercover um, assignment that I assigned myself working at a haunted hayride last year that I'm uh, working on something about. Wow. And in, in outside Los Angeles? Uh Inside at, at Griffith Park. Oh, oh, that one. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a, kind of a dirt freak one. Yeah, I love it. Well, amazing. I I can't wait to check out your project, Jamie Loftus. Thank you so much for joining the Taste Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. The Taste Podcast is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.